Welcome to the Foxes and Fowl podcast, season two. Foxes and Fowl is the campus ministry of the United Church of Canada at the University of British Columbia. We are committed to exploring the ways that God is at work in us and others for the healing and renewal of the world. We believe that God has called us to live in a particular way in this world, the way of Jesus. To help us do that, over the next several weeks, we're going to take a break from our usual pattern of longer interviews and dive into St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians together, one little step at a time. We hope you'll join us on the way. Hey there. Welcome to the Foxes and Fowl podcast. I'm Aaron. As you heard in the introduction, over the past several weeks, we've been working our way through parts of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We began starting in the first episode of this season, called All Saints, with the soaring opening verses in which Paul points to, tells about, and draws us toward the extravagant wonder of God with us and for us. And then we jump to the great prayer at the center of the letter, where Paul doesn't leave us with just good theological information, but prays us into the height and depth and length and width of the love of God for us in Christ. Because prayer is the way that we move what we know of God from our heads to our hearts and then out into the world. Today we're jumping again, this time to the end of the letter, beginning at chapter 6, verse 10. Like the last time we jumped, I'd encourage you to read the parts in between. But for now, we're going to spend the next few days considering what Paul calls the whole armor of God. But before we get there, I want to mention what happens just after the prayer in chapter 3. In the first verse of chapter 4, Paul says this, I beg you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I beg you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And that word worthy in Greek, the, the language that Paul wrote in, calls to mind the image of a balance scale. The word is axios. It's as if Paul has spent the first half of the letter piling on the goodness and grace of God, the wonder and lavishness of God, the marvelous things God has done for us and for this world, on one side of the scale, and then in the second half of the letter, he invites us to respond, to pile our lives on the other half of the scale. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that we can kind of even things out, that we can match God's love for us or God's goodness to us. But when we've experienced that love and that goodness, it's impossible for it to not affect our lives and not just the kind of religious parts of our lives, but our whole selves. We're called to live lives worthy of the calling to which we have been called. And miraculously, both Jesus and Paul seem to think that that's possible. But of course, we don't always, do we? We don't always live lives worthy of our calling. And if you're anything like me, sometimes the more you try, the worse it gets. You know, I know exactly what Paul is talking about in his letter to the Romans when he says things like, the stuff I want to do, I don't do. And the stuff that I don't want to do, that's what I do do. And... Whenever I want to do good, it seems like evil is lurking around the corner. That's all pretty familiar. I don't, I don't know anyone who has tried to follow Jesus, who has tried to live in God's goodness with everything they've got, who's not also dramatically failed to do so at some point, and 
maybe at many points in most days. It's as if there's something working against us. And we might have different ways of describing what that something is. But Paul has a particular way. This is how he begins the ending of his letter. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. That's a good start, right? It reminds us of those wonderful opening verses. And he continues, Put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Oof, there's a lot in there. Perhaps we should listen again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is a lot in there, and there's some of it that may seem a bit weird or off-putting, especially if you're part of a faith tradition like mine. For some of us, the idea of demonic powers may be awkward and unfamiliar. We tend to be okay with the idea of good spiritual forces, but less comfortable talking about evil ones. When someone says that they're spiritual but not religious, which is something I hear all the time, I don't think that they're generally talking about a spirituality that entertains the cosmic powers of this present darkness. And yet, if we push a bit, I think most of us would agree that there seems to be more than just good spiritual forces at work in the world. I do believe that it's possible to be too obsessed with rooting out demonic forces. We can give too much attention and too much credit to evil. And I struggle with personifying evil. I mean, if Jesus is the life, capital T, capital L, then whatever is contrary to him and his will and way cannot be said to be living or lively. Even so, Paul's words here point to a reality that seems to me to be true. There seems to be something at work in and around me that opposes me living a life worthy of the calling to which I am called. And it's more than just my fickleness and faithlessness. When we think about the state of the world, there's much that is deeply wrong that's also hard to pin on one person or one group of people. We're not up against flesh and blood, Paul says, which I think is hopeful and good news. But it's as if there's something working against the flourishing for which God made this world and to which God has promised to restore this world. The wiles of the devil, or the methods, the Greek word is methodius, The wiles of the devil is an evocative phrase, like there's something strategically working against us. When I want to do good, evil seems to lurk around the corner. Jesus tells us in the Lord's Prayer to pray against evil, which is the same word that Paul uses here when he talks about the spiritual forces of evil. And I think there are two responses to all this. One is to get worked up about demons and the devil, to go hunting evil in every little thing. But that's 
the way of a kind of spiritual paranoia. That's not the way of Jesus. In him, we're not given a spirit of fear. We're given a spirit of freedom. And it's not the way of Paul. Eugene Peterson points out in his wonderful book, Practice Resurrection, which is an extended reflection on this letter, that there is no anxiety in Paul's words. He's not panicked. He's not trying to whip the Ephesian church or us into a fearful frenzy. He just names the reality of evil and calmly lets us know what to do about it. And we'll explore that over the next several episodes, what it means to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. But for today, perhaps it's enough to hear Paul's measured voice as he reminds us first and foremost that evil's ultimately powerless. Because in Christ, we can be strong in the Lord and in the strength, not of our own, but of his power. And that's the power that will get the last word on us and on this world. And it's good news. So may it be so. Thanks to the Foxes and Fowl team and the Pacific Mountain region of the United Church of Canada. Thanks as ever to Davis Miller for the soundtrack. I hope you can join us next time, and until then, grace and peace.